Sonny Gray dominates the Royals. The Twins win four to nothing in game two of this three game set. Need to sweep, need to go to Cleveland and take four out of five to even have the conversation. But it's a good start for the Twins. Let's break this thing down on today's episode of Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to the Lockdown Minnesota Twins podcast. Today is Wednesday, September 14th, and I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. Thanks for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every single day on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Again, this is Nash Walker, Season 3, hosting a daily podcast on the Minnesota Twins. This will be off-season 4 doing so, and I've been running at Twins Daily for four seasons as well. Coming to you after a Twins win, an excellent performance from Sonny Gray. The offense does just enough to beat the Royals. And for as much as that's gone wrong for the Twins this year, they have beaten up pretty badly on the Kansas City Royals. They are now 11-4 and against Kansas City. They've won the last five matchups. Could be the last six. I'm just thinking of the last series at Target Field. They've won five straight at Target Field against the Royals. And many of those games, it feels like, are not, not really competitive. They've really, really beaten up on Kansas City. Sonny Gray, overall... This season has a 291 ERA, and the innings count is low. And Dick Bramer was talking about it tonight. He doesn't even qualify for the ERA title. No Twins pitcher does. The inning count is low. But I think, you know, if Sonny Gray continues to be really solid down the stretch here in September and into the last weekend, the last week of October, I think we're going to look back on the season and say that was an A-grade season for Sonny Gray. I mean, anything you could have hoped for from Sonny Gray has happened. Now, some bigger starts, a big start against the White Sox at home in that four-game series. He gave up a grand slam to Luis Robert. Then he had another big start against Chicago a couple weekends ago and left the game early with a hamstring problem. A couple of his big starts haven't gone as planned, but overall this year, sub-three ERA. He's been one of the better starters in the American League. He's been the Twins' clear number one starter all year long. I think it's been a really solid year for Sonny Gray, and actually he can improve upon that with outings like this down the stretch. And that's that's what we're watching here, and we're going to get to Jorge Lopez tonight. He closed it out or pitched the ninth inning tonight. Didn't get the save. Pitched the ninth inning. It's it's important for these guys down the stretch to instill confidence for 2023. I think it's important for the front office. It's important for them, clearly, for the team, and it's important for the fan base. I think it's important for the fan base to see Sonny Gray finish on a strong note, even if the Twins – are out of it. You know, it feels like they're just hanging by a thread in this race, even if they're out of it with a couple weeks to go, which they likely will be for sure, like mathematically eliminated with games to play this year. It's possible they're not. It's possible they're not. But what's most important is that there's reason for optimism for next year. And for that to happen, Sonny Gray finishing strong would be a big part of that. Joe Ryan finishing strong would help that. It's not going to change perception of these guys. I already thought Sonny Gray was a really good pitcher. And I said when they traded for him, this is a frontline starter. He's a frontline starter. And like I said, he's been on the injury list a couple of times. The innings number is not exactly where you want it to be for a full season of Sonny Gray. But I, I know that I'll feel pretty good about him going into 2023 if the season ended today. And if he gives us a good final three weeks, yeah, I mean, you're going to feel really solid about Gray. And that that trickles over to the rotation because he's such an important part of this rotation. It's at least really nice to see him go out there and dominate 
a bad team. That's what he should do. He's a frontline starter. That's why they traded for him. And seven inning shutout ball, eight strikeouts. That's that's Sonny Gray. And he's fun to watch. I mean, he's really fun to watch. He is, I think, maybe more than most starters in baseball, just an artist. He's an artist. He paints with that two-seamer, works the curveball. He knows how to pitch. He's been in the league a long time. He's been a really good starter for a long time. Sands for that that stint in New York. But this is a guy in 2019 for, for Cincinnati. He was one of the best starters in baseball in 2019. The stuff isn't amazing. You know, his, his two-seamers at 91-92. But he, when his command is on, when he's commanding the ball, he is super tough. And he's very good. He's very, very good. Sonny Gray's locked in right now. He's really locked in. He looked locked in tonight. And when, he's, when you know you see that look in his eye and you kind of feel this rhythm to his start – you know they don't they don't stand a chance. They they really don't. You're at such a disadvantage as an offense and as a young offense, especially when a veteran starter like Sonny Gray, who has a long track record of success, is is pitching like that. You're in trouble. And the, the Royals didn't score tonight. The Obar came in, Lopi got the ninth, and uh the twins shut them out. This is exactly what they need to do. There's there's zero margin for error left in the rest of this season. The pressure is is on for them because they're five games back in the central and Cleveland is likely to get the, if Cleveland beats the twins one more time, they have the tiebreaker, which essentially adds another game to that deficit. So we knew if there was any chance of this happening, they need to sweep Kansas city. They'll go for the sweep on Thursday. And at minimum, they need to take four out of five from Cleveland in Cleveland. That's the uphill battle. The twins are facing to get back into this race. So part of me is, is keeping that in mind, but Cleveland's won six in a row. And they don't, they look really tough right now with Tito Francona down the stretch in September. I'm keeping that in mind. Like, okay, if the twins have a really good weekend, they could get right back into this thing. And that's a big if and lose a rise left tonight early with hamstring tightness. It's hard to envision them doing it without Louie, without Polo and without Buck. That's, it's hard to envision that. So part of me is thinking of that. And the other part of me is thinking what can happen over these, these next few weeks that is going to make me feel better, make the fan base feel better, make the front office feel better about 2023. And a big part of that to me is Jorge Lopez. Let's talk about this outing, why I think this outing was a sign for good things to come for Jorge Lopez and why I'm optimistic about the final three weeks for him after this word from Blue Chew. If you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in the line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code Locked On at checkout. Just pay $5 in shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Jorge Lopez, to me, is a top five storyline for the rest of the season. Because this is a guy they traded significant prospect capital for, Cade Povich, who I, you know, we had Cade on the show. You can tell he he's 
a good guy, good young kid, and he's going to be a, I think he's going to be a good left-handed pitcher. And I think he's going to pitch in the big leagues, whether that's a, a frontline guy, it's unlikely, but he'll be, I think he'll be in the, in the Orioles rotation uh, sooner rather than later. So the twins have, they need Jorge Lopez, not only because they traded Povich and Yenier Cano and other guys for him, but if they have, if they have hopes of contending in 2023, which I'm, Certain they do because of the team that's on paper next year coming back and the payroll flexibility they'll have. Jorge Lopez is going to be integral to that. They need him. They they traded for him thinking about the next two years as much as they were thinking about 2022. Oh, we'll have Duran and Lopez entrenched in the back of that bullpen for the next two years after 2022. And you feel differently today than you did at the trade deadline about that because Lopez has been so shaky. But tonight, I saw hints and signs of what made him so good in Baltimore. And when he's commanding the ball, it's not like Sonny Gray in in that way, but his sinker and two-seamer reminds me of Sonny Gray. When he's commanding it, he's really tough to hit. And he was doing that in Baltimore for a long time. He did it the whole first half of the season, 97-98 with the sinker, bottom of the zone. The at-bat with Michael A. Taylor, he kept fouling it off, kept foul-tipping those sinkers, kept hitting the top of the ball. And then eventually he swung over the sinker at the bottom of the zone. Lopi's gonna he's gonna induce a bunch of ground balls. You look at his expected numbers on his sinker in the month of September, they're so much better than the actual numbers. And I I continue to choose to trust the stuff and I continue to trust the repertoire he has because he's nasty. I mean, his stuff is nasty. I think his pitch mix decisions have been spotty with the twins. I also think his command has certainly been spotty. But I think tonight, even though he got barreled on that last out, gave up a single. I think was a step in the right direction for him just to get back on track. I think a lot of this too is, is mental. I mean, I don't know, but I think it's mental. You come to a new team, a team in Baltimore that had no expectations. You move over to the twins. They're in first place at the deadline. You traded for Jorge Lopez to be your closer. There's a different kind of pressure on that, especially for a first year reliever, you know, a guy who's a first year closer, a rookie closer, and he was an all-star, but there's a, there's an added pressure when you move teams, you want to prove yourself. And I think, once he gets a couple good outings under his belt, he can kind of settle in as a twin, get comfortable. And I think people are kind of ruling that out as a, as a factor. Like he came over from a team that was in contention, but shouldn't have been. And he was just kind of riding that, that house money over there comes over to the twins and there's added pressure. No question about that. And I think, again, I trust his stuff. I trust Jorge Lopez as crazy as that sounds because of his track record before 2022. But when I watch this guy pitch and I watch the contact he induces, a majority of the time, I am confident in him for 2023. And I think Twins fans, and me included in that, will feel better if he has a really good final three weeks. Like I was saying earlier, if he has a really good final three weeks, you're going to look at the bullpen differently for 2023. And I, I think tonight was a step perhaps in the right direction for Jorge Lopez. Carlos Correa has been awesome for this team. He's doing everything he can. Miranda's been awesome. Gio Urshela, there was some discord about Urshela today or some discourse I should I should say on Twitter I was reading about Gio Urshela and his arbitration for next year the twins can bring back Gio at like eight or nine million in 2023 and I'm, I'm not I'm not yet decided on that we have a plenty of time this offseason to kind of talk about third base talk about every position does Miranda get third base should they bring back Gio for that price if they don't should they trade him pick up his arb and trade him we'll go over all those options uh, as we get closer to the to the offseason and into the offseason. But he has been a steady force for them and, and durable. He's been really durable, which especially this year has been really valuable for the Twins. He's been durable. 
he's had his stretches. He's had his at bats where you just shake your head and what do you, what's going on? But I guess that happens with every guy and, and guys, he's not one of your best, you know, five or six players. So he's going to, he's not going to be, he's not some elite player, but I think he's filled his role admirably this year. I think a lot of twins fans and, and Bramer and everybody's been pretty impressed by his defense at third base, even if the metrics don't show and don't match up with that. I think people have been impressed by his defense and, and the bat has played in big spots. He comes through a decent amount of the time and he's been a good player for the twins. He's been a good player for them. And Gary Sanchez had a two run double tonight. The catcher position is a big question mark, right? Going into next year, it's Jeffers role, but who's the backup? Do they bring back Gary? Is it Sandy Leone? I, I just think for next year, when I watch this offense and we'll go over this in much more detail this off season, when I look at this offense, I think they need to maximize offense at every position. I think they got into this zone this year because of the injuries partly, but also because of roster construction where your upside is capped in right field by Max Kepler. I know he's the best defender in baseball in right field, but offensively he's below average. So as a corner outfielder, you feel like you're losing value there, a lot of value offensively in a spot that should produce a ton of, of offense. And then at third base, Geo's solid, but you want more out of your third baseman offensively. I mean, he's maybe the 16th or 17th best overall third baseman in baseball. Maybe I'm, I'm selling him short, but more offense at third would be great, like Miranda, but can you trust him defensively? That's, that's the equation. That's the give and take here. If you take Kepler out of right field and you pre- replace him with Walner, who has much more upside, how much are you losing defensively to make that move? And if he's giving runs back defensively, but taking some offensively, it's it's basically the same as having Kepler. So you they'll have to consider all these things. But when I watch this group, I just I feel that they need to maximize positions more than they do. And it's gonna be hard because Louis at first in DH, he's he's got a great bat, as we know. He left early tonight, unfortunately. Hopefully he's okay. He's got a great bat, as we know in the power department because you're losing power at first base and DH with Luis Arise, it would be awesome if they can make up for that at third, but they have Gio there. Who's going to hit, you know, 15 homers a year or make up for it in right field. Kepler's hit. How many homers does he have? 12. Like that's just, they don't have enough offensive maximization at certain spots, spots that are, are designated for guys, designated hitter designated for guys who, who hit the long ball and losing Nelson Cruz I think that's, again, like I will never say, I feel like I'll never say enough the impact. I'll never overemphasize the impact of that because you just think of what he brought to this team for two and a half years from the DH spot. You That's an example of absolutely maximizing a position, having Nelson Cruz at DH. You, you maxed it more than any other team in baseball. And look what it did. Like there's a trickle down effect of that. It makes it easier to have Max Kepler in right field. And, you know, in 2019, he had 36 homers. He was a great player in 2019, but even post 2019, when Nelly was great in 2020 in the first half of 2021, it, it you felt better about the whole group because you were maximizing the DH spot so much. It was okay to have Kep in right. You know, it was okay to, to play Louie at third or Louie in left field. Like it was okay to do that. And then when you added in Buxton, when Buxton's healthy in center field and the power he brings, that's another maximization. Correa at short, absolutely you're maximizing that spot. But it felt like in too many areas this year, first base, DH, right field, third base, there's not enough power at those spots for the Twins. And I'm, I'll be interested to see how they address that this offseason, which is why I lean to you know, either trading Gio Urshela or just non-tendering him because I, I want more offense at offensive positions. Do they trust Miranda at third? 
every day. It's shape. I mean, you don't know. He's going to give runs back. He's not going to be a plus defender at third base. And the question is, is he going to be a butcher or is he going to be just below average to average? And if he's below, slightly below average to average defensively at third, 100% taking that all day long because you get his bat at third base instead of first base and DH opens up that spot for somebody else you can go get or somebody else like Walner who has much more power upside at first base and DH. Not saying Miranda doesn't, but it's just maximizing. And that's, that's my point here with this group and how that pertains to Gio. Like he's a big part of that to me. He's been a good player this year for them. I think a lot of Twins fans have enjoyed having Gio or Shella on the team this year. It's just, what are you giving up? Is giving up offense there and giving up offense in right field? Is that, a, is, and then when Buxton's out, you're giving up a ton of offense in center with Celestino. It matters less because it's a premium position, but if Correa has gone, who's filling that spot? It's just going to, you know, you you have to consider all of these things this offseason. And, and that's something, again, I'll be watching down the stretch. Does Miranda get more reps at third? It's I wonder if that should be the process right now. Like, I think not having Matt Walner up is, is weird to me. I think he should be up getting at bats in the outfield because he's clearly going to be a part of the team next year. And he's going to be hopefully a significant part of the 2023 Twins. And his upside offensively is significant he has significant upside offensively and he's exactly the type of guy you want to give an opportunity to to take a spot and to show you what he can do uh down the stretch whether i've always kind of said like call him up call him up call him up yes my my pushback to that has been if matt waller has an amazing three weeks in september for the twins does that change i mean it does it makes you think differently about him for next year but it shouldn't as much as you think like it shouldn't alter your perception of him both ways look at Miranda Miranda came up he was terrible and everybody's like get rid of this guy trade him at the deadline and I wrote a piece like Jose Miranda is a trade chip for the twins and I got a bunch of responses that said who wants Jose Miranda now he's been the most prolific run producer on the team for months and one of the best players one of the best hitters in the American League for months so you can't take too much from the first stint and I would worry that if they brought up Walner and he was terrible or he was amazing we're going to draw too much from that. But even then, it makes sense to call him up. It makes sense to to give him reps now in September. And I know the Twins feel like they're still in it, and they feel like maybe Jake Cave is, provides more stability defensively and even offensively. I don't know why they would think that necessarily, but I would love to see Walner. Um, and I would love to see the Twins again this winter find a way to maximize more spots offensively because they'll have the, the money to do it. And I think they'll have – the flexibility to do it with some tough decisions, a lot of tough decisions to make. I think that they'll be in a spot though, to be able to, to do that this winter. Sonny Gray was, was terrific tonight. Dilbar was solid. Lopi, not a clean ninth, but a scoreless ninth. And we'll take that. The offense scored four runs, two run double uh, from Gary Sanchez. Yeah. I don't think I see Gary on the team next year. It's possible they bring him back, but he just hasn't had a great year. Him too, though. If he has a final great three weeks, the perception of his season is going to change. And maybe, you know, it shouldn't that much for these guys, but it will, and it'll matter. And the Twins, you know, they're five games out of this thing, but I said on Sunday night, I came on here, do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe that a miracle can happen here in the American League Central? It's mathematically possible, and it's not as extreme as, oh, it's mathematically possible if X and X and X and X and they lose and they lose. and It's as simple as the Twins sweep the Royals, 
and they go into Cleveland and take four out of five, they're right back in this thing. You know, you, you win the first four, you pick up three games on Cleveland. They're still not, even if they did that, they're not favored to win the division. They're not likely. And Chicago's still there too. They're a game ahead of the twins. They're still not even close to likely to win the division, but it could cause for some anarchy down the stretch and some, some fun pressure filled ball games for all three teams in the division. And that's, that's what we we're hoping for. I mean, I was hoping the twins would run away with the division, but at this point, I hope that they make it closer than it is. And they have an opportunity to do that. If they pitch like this, they're going to get Joe and Sonny in the Cleveland series. It sounds like it's going to be Ober, Varland, Winder, Ryan, Gray. If they pitch well and they, you know, they get some timely hits like they have in you know two games against a very bad Kansas City team, let's try to translate that. Have some fun. Just go have fun. You know, the, the pressure is less because they're not in first place, but you can still you can still make it tough. Like you can still make it really tough on Cleveland. You can pass up the White Sox, finish second. You know, if the twins are unable to make that miraculous comeback, there's still things to play for here. There, there's absolutely things to play for. They believe they're still in the race. And like I said, there's three full weeks to play. If they went on some torrid stretch, I'm not saying it's likely or even close, but if they went on some torrid stretch, they could win it. You know, they could still come back and do it. Uh, I'm not hanging my hat on that. I'm not watching these games on the edge of my seat saying, oh, God, they need to win tonight. But, I, you know, it's in the back of my mind. It's something that's still possible for them if, if things go really, really right. They need a lot of things to go right. They need to get lucky for that to happen. But it's not, um, it's not out of the realm of possibility for that to happen. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. Or whatever you do, subscribe, comment like on YouTube. I've been here after every game, essentially all season, five days a week. And uh, there's been a lot of ups and downs, but I've learned that there are some loyal listeners to this podcast and a tough twins loss or a good twins win. You're tuning in. And I want to thank you for making lockdown twins. Your first listen every day on the lockdown podcast network, where it's your team every single day. Now make your second listen, the lockdown MLB podcast, MLB expert, Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league follow the number one daily league-wide podcast lockdown mlb on the odyssey app youtube and wherever you get your podcasts on the lockdown podcast network where it's your team every day thanks so much have a great day and go twins